Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucking ucks? What's happening? It's me, Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. A purveyor of fine podcasts for almost a decade now. That's a large chunk of life right there. A lot of things have happened over the last decade. A lot of things have happened over the last 55 fucking years I've been on this planet, walking in this vessel, doing things with my mouth, talking, you know, hiking, the vessel, the vessel is holding up, doing things with my mouth. That sounds kind of filthy. I meant talking, been talking for a long time, making a living at talking. So David Lee Roth is on the show today. He, he came up as a possibility. I said, yes. And then, you know, when I bring it up in, in public and I tweet that David Lee Roth's going to be on the show, it's like, good luck with that. Oh, my God. But I was uh, sort of excited. I didn't know what to expect. And I got to be honest with you. I honestly think he's sort of a, a very brilliant guy. His stream of consciousness, if, it, if you kind of keep him moving in the right direction, is kind of inspired. And, and I, was, uh, I was sort of excited. I, I know that I, I didn't talk much, and I knew that you know, right at, at the beginning that this is sort of what he does. But uh, when I dropped things, little pieces of bait along the way, what sort of unfolded was something uh, that had true moments of brilliance. You don't see that kind of stream of consciousness too often anymore. It's a rare thing in general to watch somebody just go and just kind of just keep following that train, that whatever train their brain is on, just watch it kind of go off. And also, I've been listening to a lot of jazz lately, so there's something that's resonating uh, along that those lines with me as well, this sort of pushing the envelope, whatever your creativity is, until you are in a completely different time zone from everybody else, just to depart to transcend, to to move into the next realm, the spiritual realm or whatever realm, to find that space for yourself. Even if people are witnessing it, uh, it's nice to go out there occasionally if you're capable of it. If you can get out of your vessel. Apparently, uh, oh shit, oh fuck. You feel that? Oh fuck. Haha, <laughs> kidding. Too soon? Too soon? Whoa. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, God. Sorry. Sorry. That was making a reference to the earthquakes. Felt like that, though. Didn't it sound like that? Anyways, I wasn't here for them. 
I was away. I was up north. I do want to tell you that uh, this week, Sword of Trust opens in New York City. The movie I'm in, the Lynn Shelton film, Thursday night in New York City, this Thursday, the 11th of July. There will be a screening and Q&A at the 92nd Street Y in New York City. That will be moderated by my dear friend Sam Lipsight. Starting Friday, it's playing at the IFC Center and Landmark 57 with Q&As Friday and Saturday night at both theaters and Sunday afternoon at the Landmark. There's, we're still getting those moderators, some exciting people. It's going to be Lynn and me talking with another person at in front of you if you come next week the movie opens in chicago los angeles san francisco berkeley washington dc toronto cambridge massachusetts and westchester new york sword of trust sweeping the nation so many s's and of course you can get my tour dates i'm going to be in raleigh soon i think is the next big gig no actually i'll be at just for laughs in montreal quebec uh, July 26th, and I'll, uh, that's a that's a show, 9.30 show, the new uh, hour plus, and I'm going to be doing a glow panel the following day up at the festival. And then I'll be at Good Nights in Raleigh, August 1, August 2, August 3. And then uh, heading up to Portland, August 9, August 10. And then Dallas and Austin, Houston, Vancouver, Seattle, Toronto, Chicago, Detroit, Minneapolis, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., all to arrive at the Schubert Theater in Boston, Massachusetts on October 12th for my special taping. And then after that peak, I'll head down to Nashville, a little more relaxed, and then over to Atlanta, very relaxed, and then to San Francisco, completely spent and ready to peel the brain open. Peel it open. Fuck it. So... Did you have a good fourth? Everybody keep their digits. Everybody eat some good shit, some interesting shit, some pie, some ice cream. To tell your kids not to set things on fire. Did you set anything on fire? Did you decide who you were in relation to explosions? A lot of things happen on the 4th of July. I uh, took a trip up north to Ojai for two nights. Did not even see fireworks. It wasn't a protest or anything. I don't know. I, I usually kind of prioritize it somehow. Go over to my buddy Dan's house. Do that, watch fireworks. But this is, uh, you know, I'm in a new world. I'm in a new, th- new uh, situations. Like I'm, uh, um, you, you know, I, life has changed since last year. So I went and uh, tried to kind of dig in and do the relaxing, try to enjoy the life thing. You know that thing, the enjoying the life thing. It was nice. Did some hiking. Did some uh, pleasant eating. Did some uh, walking around. Did some thinking, did some talking, you know, kept it light, kept it relaxing, no fireworks. And I did not feel the earthquakes. The second one, I felt a little bit, but not much up there. Fucking earthquakes on it, on top of everything else. Just waiting for the earth to buckle. Just watching waves of asphalt, waiting for that to happen. I do have it in my past. You know, I don't know if you know this about me, but I, when I was younger, like 69, 71, my dad was in the military and we lived up in Anchorage, Alaska and the earth would fucking shake up there. And I remember standing in the doorway. I never understood that stand in the doorway business. Like why not just get out of the fucking house? But I remember my old man, the earth started shaking. It wasn't a big one, 
but it was like pretty shaky. It happened a couple of times up there. We'd stand in the doorway just watching the house rock. I don't know what that does to you deep down inside, but uh, but there is that feeling. There's there's one thing you feel when uh, everything around you is shaking and you can hear the deep, the deep uh, grumble of the earth, the shifting plates. One thing you realize is sort of, uh, man, I am small and very vulnerable. The earth can just swallow us up. We're kind of like some sort of... Uh, yeah, as important as we think we are as a species, we're just kind of a minor rash on the body of the planet Earth. It'll be fine without us. It'll be fine. Most other things will persist. But anyways, David Lee Roth is here. And, you know, I was in high school. I guess I was a freshman in high school. My freshman year was 77, 78. I remember it, man. I remember being a freshman in high school. I remember my sort of shit brown Datsun B210 that I had, a little stick shift car. I remember getting that car. I remember wrecking that car like within a month of having it because I was combing my hair in the rearview mirror. Then I remember wrecking it again because I changed lanes without uh, really paying attention. But I, you know, but I, I love that car. And when we, cause when New Mexico, you could drive when you're 15. So you're out in it. You're out there driving around with your learner's permit at 14 to nine months, full driver's license at 15, waiting in front of liquor stores to try to get grown people to buy you six packs at 15, and then driving around, going to your McDonald's, going to the other high school's McDonald's, going to that one park we used to hang out, going to see if there's someone else. And maybe people are hanging out the other park. It was just a circle. You just get in your car, get a six pack of beer, drive around to parks and McDonald's parking lots to see if you knew people there. That was the evening. Usually there'd be two to four friends in the car. And uh, I don't know, depending on where that night took you, sometimes it would take us to the parking lot of the shopping mall, putting shopping carts in front of my Datsun B210, getting them going about 40 or 50 miles an hour, slamming on the brakes and watch them just destroy themselves and tumble into garbage off a curb. Is there a statute of limitations on that stuff? Because uh, uh, Wenrock Center, I, I, I guess I can make a public amends. I might have, there might have been a couple of carts. I apologize for that. But uh, that being said, when I'm talking to David Lee Roth, I don't, I don't have many markers. And as I get older, it seems like these different parts of my life, I believe that I was truly a different person. I don't think I was, but there's some sort of a dissociative thing happening between me and who I was in the past, even a few years ago. It keeps getting stranger as I get older. But when I really think about high school, you know, and what I was going through in high school and who I was in high school, what I was straddling in high school, you know, I mean, freshman year, that was 78. And that was when Van Halen one came out. That was also the same year. I believe that uh, dire straits first album came out. And I I believe it was probably around that time that foreigners probably second album came out. So we would park in the dirt lot and then we'd have to walk into the building through the senior lot where they could park. And I just remember when Van Halen one came out, like that entire parking lot, it seemed like all the doors were open, all the Jensen coaxials and triaxials, all the, the rear dash door planted speakers with power amps. Everybody was playing eruption into you really got me. 
every it just it changed the entire world it seemed but there was no way to avoid van halen man and not that you necessarily wanted to you can judge however you want and oddly uh, you know with david lee i thought he was kind of a weird almost too clown-like front man but you got to love his voice there was a spirit to the music right and and you know truth be told I did go to the Van Halen concert. I believe it was probably at the pit in uh, in Albuquerque, the basketball arena. It was it was the first tour. All I remember about that Van Halen tour, that first tour that I went to go see was during the opening band, a guy who I didn't really like very much, a druggy guy that I knew from one of my classes came up to me with a pipe and he said, uh, have you ever smoked hash? And I said, nope. I took two big hits of hash. And before Van Halen even got on the stage, I was um, passed out on the ground. And I think there might have been vomit involved. Not unlike many high school experiences, there was, uh, there was me, there was um, some vomit, and then there was the end of the evening. It started out friendly. Hey, we're going to a thing. Next thing I know, I'm being put into a car and someone's like, uh, do you want us to drive you home? <laughs> so needless to say, I do not remember that Van Halen concert. That, that did not quite happen for me. Fast forward to another point in my life when I was in New York City, 1989, trying to get a, a, a leg up or a, a leg in or a foot in the door or whatever you want to say, doing some stand-up. And there used to be a club, uh, uh, one of the, the great clubs, the Village Gate, great jazz and, and rock venue. They did comedy there when I was there. It was before, obviously, it closed up. But it was a classic venue run by the DeLugoff family. Raffi DeLugoff was uh, the son of Art DeLugoff who ran open, opened the place and Raffi was doing the comedy nights there. And there used to be a guy that used to hang around. This old dude, he probably in his 70s or 80s at that time, always with a younger woman, always had uh, remember an ascot on. And his name was Manny Roth. And he used to talk about how he was Richard Pryor's first manager and that he had started the Cafe Wa and that he was David Lee Roth's uncle, Manny Roth. Classic old showbiz guy, West Village dude, one of the uh, one of the founders of the scene, the Cafe Wa was David Lee Roth's uncle. You know, I walked away from this conversation with David Lee Roth feeling uplifted and feeling like I witnessed some sort of strange, manic, but very sort of um, focused stream of consciousness work. I, I walked away from this interview thinking like, that guy's kind of fucking brilliant, man. I mean, not just as a songwriter or a singer or as a, an entertainer, but as a thinker in some way. Uh, so that being said, David Lee Roth is here. Uh, he's got a podcast called The Roth Show. You can get it wherever you get podcasts, and it's on YouTube. But this was me uh, you know, having my time. This was me having my time. Uh, you know, He has times with other people. And he has times on stage, but, but you know, once with you have somebody like David Lee Roth, who's a, a river, you know, the rapids, the conversational rapids, you just get on the boat and you see where you go. And this was my ride 
with David Lee Roth. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. You like to travel? Well, that depends. Okay, are we rolling? Yeah, let's go. Travel, Yeah, for me, is I don't spend my time what used to be the McDonald's salute, where you yeah. look into the palm of your hand. Are we on visual here? No, no visual. Perfect. We uh, have the flat of the hand, and you <laughs> yeah. look down into your palm, and yeah. you point with yeah. your index finger, yeah. and you move the change around. Then, right. Then you look at the menu. Come yeah. on, you were a perspiring young artist, too. <laughs> yeah. Then you were a perspiring young artist with a girlfriend, yeah. right? right? And, d- and your your dinner dates would start of moving the change around in yeah. your open palm, then yeah. looking up at the menu and going, Okay, order whatever you want. And then you would change whatever we had according to whatever they got. Yeah, that's right. I thought I was going to get past that, and ultimately I did. Finally, I could show up at McDonald's with any number of people and go, order anything. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Like this and with impunity. Yeah. But today, we have entire voter blocks of people who are back to the salute, and they use their smartphone. Uh Uh-huh. Instead of looking out the window, right. instead of looking around in the coffee shop, yeah. we used to go to the coffee sure. shop. Right. I used to dream, someday I'll be uh, at the left bank of Paris, yeah. observing, yeah. listening, yeah. Yeah. go home, put yeah. it in poet prosaic form. Maybe I'll paint a picture. Right. I'll invent a play about sure, it. Yeah. inform my narrative. Big, big artistic uh, intent. But you got to have somebody looking back. Yeah. You know, there's got to the interaction, the combustibility. Yeah. No Eddie, no Dave, no Dave, no Eddie. Right. There's got to be spark. Well, what about, what's this have to do with travel? You like to travel? Well, yes, I do, because I'm plugged in. Yeah. I'm watching what's going on around sure. me to the point where I'll make the car stop and go, no, the window and back doesn't open. Right. I just went through that in Holland. Really? In Holland? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> you rented a car? Yes. And <laughs> and, and the car yeah. back when, so modern, the windows yeah. don't open and right. the, the stereo's indecipherable. How was Holland? Well, Holland is a beautiful combination of what's really, really old, okay, yeah. like New York City, yeah. and what's beyond modern. Right, sure. Y- you know the space between- uh, There's like Ikea buildings there, right? Oh, it's no, it's beyond that. Yeah. Wait until you see what's beyond Scheifel Airport in Amsterdam. Usually, those spaces in 1960s, 70s yep. airports are as far away as possible far away as possible. Right. Big empty wastelands that you drove through. This one's right in the middle of town? No. You drive from the airport for an hour and there are it's probably three billion dollars worth of the most modern with a sense of humor buildings you have 
ever seen. Sense of humor, how? Oh, big, well, like you've seen the it's buildings. Cock, in, big cock? No, you've seen the buildings in Midtown. <laughs> it looks yeah. like it's bent. Oh, okay. Like it has right. snow on the windows, yeah. like somebody twisted the Lego yeah. building. Yeah. Looks like blocks. There's a sense of humor that right, goes right, into sure. the engineering there. And there is, there's a building that's cracked. It's got to be 30 floors. Yeah. It's cracked, and there's a building inside. <laughs> and that's you, funny yes and you start to see this all around holland because there's uh, a disciplinary sense of humor yeah that i personally grew up with now you came into my house and you you recognize this type of house and because i didn't realize it i i think i knew but you grew up down the street almost. Oh, not in almost. Pasadena. What's almost? Metric? We're yeah. back in Holland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could ride my bicycle here and frequently do. Yeah. I make myself, I can go pretty much two and a half hours in any direction, accounting more for coming back in, uh, in Pasadena. In, in, in LA. Yeah, yeah, right. I, now, do you live out here now or do, are you in New York? Oh, well, I have a satellite space. We call it a space. Yeah. You know? I think you, do you still live in my friend Dove's building? Uh, I did for a while. Yeah. You're referring to the liberal arts education phase that I never had because I went on the road with Dove, Van Halen, never looked back. Dove Davidoff. Well, his building, was, right? Tell him and his brother. Tell, yeah. Tell him where that was. Though. New York City. You, you Down at Lower East Side. Yeah. Ludlow yeah. and Rivington. So you went through this adolescence late in life after you made a, a billion dollars and were a rock god. You're I, like, I'm going to get gritty. Oh, no. I want to go back to school. Oh. I like school. Did you go back to school? Toom, I went back. I, I said, I'm going to be, I said, where can I get the best super emergency med training for a civilian? My pop always told me emergency fast med. That's the shit. That's where oh, you want to so go. You, you went, oh, so you, you what went, was the first job you ever wanted? First job you ever wanted. Not got, but wanted. That I ever wanted? Yeah. What's your uh, dream? Astronaut, spaceman, policeman. No, I think I wanted to be a photographer. Well, that's interesting because what we do for a living has sure. to resort to the visual A little impact. bit, yeah, yeah. I wanted to be in the Peace Corps. Oh, really? That was the first thing? Oh, yeah. Because you want to travel or you want to help people? Oh, both. Yeah. Get her two birds with one arrow, sire. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to feed everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Three You're going to save the world. <laughs> Four. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to write some lyrics later when we get home. Five. <laughs> And then we're going to get free drinks with the story six and a half. And then you're going to change careers. Fuck the Peace Corps. I'm singing. Well, it's they're not, they are related. Yeah. Okay. Sure. If we can illuminate Music some of the travel. Music brings everyone together. Well, beyond that, mm. I want to be the face of the guy who went out into the territory. Well, what'd you do? At, where'd you, what'd you study? Study which where? When you went to the Lower East Side. Uh, the Lower East Side, I uh, went for EMT training and ultimately became badge 327466 EMT. I was out on probably 200 different calls in the Bronx, North really? Bronx. And, yeah. and you were and you were an actual working EMT? Oh, I, like I said, it's 10 minutes after six in three different languages. Who saw what happened? <laughs> uh, what's, uh, how's it going? Yeah. <laughs> Are you his brother? Do you speak a, it's Chinese? Shit. I don't know that one. <laughs> but he, but what, what, what compelled that? I mean, you, you didn't need the money. You need the experience. Well, do you want to go all the way back well, or kind of sort well, of the way You back? know, okay, I'll go all the way back with you because I knew your uncle, kind of. Which one? Manny. Of course. And like, because I used to do comedy at the Village Gate and he used to hang out with his ascot and his, like, uh, his younger wife. Or, or, or a woman that was like a lot younger because he was like 80 when I knew him or 90. Oh, no, that is still his wife. Manny has since passed over to the other side. Yeah. And he got with that wife. She was some 40 years younger right. than him. And they were together for almost 40 years. Yeah, but he's a sweet guy. 
You know, Andy, you know, he used to talk about managing Richard Pryor and that you were his nephew and that, you know, and I just like, I wonder, because he seems to represent sort of older show business. I mean, what was you, what was, where'd you start? Where did you grow up originally before here? Where, how did you, were you a New York guy or were you? No, Indiana pop was Indiana. Mom was Illinois. All right. And when pop came out of the air force, 1950s, yeah. 1954. So you're here, of the Indiana Jews. Uh, yeah, very much rural almost. About an hour and a half north of the Kentucky border. Oh, I know a guy. My optometrist is a trumpet player, Doc Elliot Kane. Yes. And, and he's an Indiana guy. That's because there isn't a whole lot of distraction that came out of those eras. Yeah. You had a whole lot of Europeans that included Jews, but included also sure. Polish and uh, German, yep. you know, so forth. The Nor- land Norwegian, was too, right? Not so much. The land was cheap <laughs> and education <laughs> was max. You say that with so much confidence. Yeah, no Norwegian. I, I, scary, scary smart. And that's why you have the Indiana University mm-hmm. and so forth. Sports, pen and sword together, boom. Big time reverence for sports that require a lot of strategy. Well, how, so right. your dad came out of the Air Force and he moved there? Yeah, and started school, just college on the GI Bill. Not even med school, but college. Started 13 years of warfare in my family. Yeah. And uh, the first things that I what ever saw- What do you mean saw, warfare? Well, you know, my mom thought she was going to marry an optometrist and he was going to be gone for two summers of school. Right. And she was uh, loath <laughs> to find that she came home and that her family, she was going to be 13 years of living alone. He's a doctor? Yeah, he's an eye surgeon. Eye surgeon? Yep. Eye my doctor. dad was a bone doctor. Okay. Orthopedic. Boom. So yeah. there, there's the work ethic. Yeah, but that, so you grew up with a doctor. Well, you grew up with somebody who has that heart of the Buddha, hand of the demon, uh-huh. and you need a sense of humor to confuse <laughs> the two. Now, you know something well has to happen. You may be looking into the face of horror. How do you explain that with that face you have right now? What Laugh you, to win. What do, you, what, was it, what do you mean, the hand of the devil? Well, sometimes you have to do something that your patients and your clients may complain about, but you're doing oh, it I with the heart of something beatific. <laughs> I thought he he hit you and he smiled when he did it. Well, sometimes that had to happen to me too. <laughs> really? So how how old were you when you were when you left there? Uh, probably about nine years old. But you remember it? You oh, got... uh, vividly. I was everything uh, chasing and being chased. Chasing yeah. ch- chasing <laughs> the cows home and getting chased home by those that possessed the cows and chased off the property by those that owned that too. Do you have brothers and sisters? I have two sisters. Are they around? Oh, absolutely. One of them, uh, they live in Pasadena. Oh, yeah? We're still local there. Uh-huh. That's wild. So, okay, so your old man moved, he moved here? Brought the family here. We moved to Massachusetts, went to uh, the face of family for me yeah. was the hospital. What is that? Massachusetts? Mass General. Yeah, Mass General. Yeah. That's where he did his residency. So you were, uh, you'd go over there and visit him or go make rounds uh, with him? Or... Yeah, and that was dinner. Yeah. We go sit in the station wagon. That's, that's exactly visit. right. Because you can't, when are we going to see dad? Yeah. We got to go there. Yes. And the sights and sounds of yeah. all of that. The smell, dude. Oh, the yeah. smell of that and fucking this was, hospital. This was early 60s, too. It's very different than today. Different smell? Oh, yeah. Like what? That was, we were still Korean War, Vietnam, oh, so et cetera. Right. And technology today, do not take that for granted. Yeah, right? sure. Yeah. And uh, I also learned that strength for skinny little crack wise, uh, hyperactive, but without attention deficit syndrome, mm-hmm. I have none of that. Mm-hmm. 
that the power for me, because I don't have enough to bench press. Yeah. I can't even say it three times in a row. But you can jump around. You're, a, you're acrobatic. That's showbiz, man. Yeah, I know, dude. And you have to be able to memorize things, and <laughs> yeah, you have but, to have influences and references, need... and be able to deal with emotional content and academic structure yeah. and all that horse shit, too. But you don't need to bench press. I can't. I'm too, I don't have enough strength you to don't exercise. Need to. No reason. Okay. Well, I learned that the real strength in my family was to be able to look into the face of horror when everybody else around you is losing their shiz yeah. and go here's my ambulance voice okay i think you're gonna be just fine <laughs> i feel better <laughs> i believe you i believe you that is had i'm not gonna go all check off on you yo but sometimes <laughs> all you can do is impart to somebody who doesn't even speak something but about burkina faso uh, yeah sort of uh, i'm from bamako I'm, right what is that wolof all you can do is sit close <laughs> enough that hey whatever happens it's gonna happen to both of us it's bamako and wolof yeah that's well wolof is the uh it's the language <laughs> okay you might you might wind up with that in the Bronx. What is that? That's where a language. From Wolof. where? You From speak where? It in, I think you speak it in Niger. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you, and where is Burkina Faso? <laughs> Turn <know>. left. <laughs> We're there now. <laughs> it's nice Keep, here. Well, it, in Indiana, you know, in yeah. Newcastle at the time, yeah. the you are entering was printed on the back of the you are leaving sign. <laughs> <laughs> might have been budgetary. <laughs> so, so you're... <laughs> so you're in you're in Massachusetts for how many years? Uh, Just his residency? So, yeah, a little bit beyond that. And when it was time for him to start his practice, I was uh, just before Bar Mitzvah. Yeah. Okay. Um, he came and we moved into Altadena, which is wow the beginning of the beginning of the busing program for me yeah it's still the wild west out there a little bit oh it was the best but, because <laughs> I, I just you know we were coming from completely white anglo-saxon i'll call it pale face that's a yeah. polite funny way of saying sure. white boy yeah and it was catholic and it was really like uh think of niedermeyer and the bad yeah. guys yeah. in yeah. Animal, house. animal house yeah <laughs> <laughs> Those are, that was uh, that was where you lived in Massachusetts. That's correct, and yeah. then that was student housing. We were surrounded when we came out. Which, to which college? Jesus, uh, BC or don't whatever. Ask me. All right, you don't know. Okay, moving okay. ahead. Yeah. When when she started his practice, we move into Altadena, yeah. and it was black, Spanish-speaking, yeah. Chinese, Korean, Armenian. I guess yeah. it was the best. Yeah. Going over to my pals and girlfriends' houses was wow. You never knew what you're going to have for yeah, lunch. Yeah. <laughs> You never know what accent was, was going to harass you about your haircut. It was always exciting, though, the lunch. You never knew what <laughs> accent was going to criticize your shoes. Yeah. <laughs> you never knew what invective and what dialect was going to tell his daughter, what are you fucking thinking? <laughs> Get out of my house. <laughs> exactly. How many times did I hear that in Eche? But you didn't get to New York till much later, huh? Oh, no, we started visiting New York because Uncle Manny was the one who was putting money for my other uncles to get through medical school. Manny was the breadwinner. Oh, yeah. He, he hitchhiked, literally drove a bomber over Germany uh, 25 times during World War II, came home. Literally, it's one of those uh, Damon Runyon or Saroyan, or I'm just yeah. making the names up, too. Flag yeah, sure, one if I'm right. Sure. 
and literally hitchhiked himself with a bomber jacket and dungarees. From Indiana? Oh, yeah. To New York City. Yeah. And then borrowed the cash to rent a basement. That's what the Cafe Wow was. That's what all of the village cafes On Bleecker Street. Yes. Yeah. And uh, No, I think it was McDougal and Minetta. Oh, McDougal, right. Yeah, yeah. Right next to the Comedy Cellar. He was one. Exactly. The original Wah is still there, I guess. Oh, it is. Yeah, because Manny Dorman owns it, right? Didn't he? And it, you, you, they, they have both. Two Mannies have passed on to the other side. That's Manny right. Dwormer's son yeah, now know runs, runs the comedy cell. Sure, yeah, and so and, and, but there. they have the Wah too, don't they? Oh, keep the legend alive. Yeah, yeah. So, so okay. So your uncle Manny Roth, he rents the the original Wah. And that it was just a basement, and he put the floor in on himself. Okay, think of yeah. 1950s yeah. jazz music, non-filter cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, it's the beats. 50s. So, yeah. It's the Beats, and they called themselves the Beats. I was instructed in this in 1960 yeah. by his then-wife, Aunt Judy, who is still with us. She's up north. Her new name, as of 40 years ago, is Jai. How old is she? She's 88. Yeah. She's probably listening. Yeah. <laughs> She's a massage masseuse. <laughs> very, very spiritual. spiritual. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And prefers purple gauge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the lower back. It's always the lower back, Mark. <laughs> That's what they taught me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where it's at. Yep. So, he, okay, and, so he opens that place, and you're going to visit him. Oh, during the summers, because when the parents want to get rid of me, sure. I was a noisy, colorful, acoustic. That uh, doesn't that doesn't add up, David. I was. You were a noisy, colorful. But I was but I was applied. I yeah. do not have attention deficit syndrome. I'm angry. Mm -hmm. I had to wear those shoes with the bar between them. You know, I had the bowed legs, flat really? feet, whatever. They had shoes know. with a bar between them? Yeah, yeah. This is very common in the to 50s. straighten them out? Yep. Straighten them out? And you had to sleep with those. Oh, wow. So, you know, I've seen, uh, I just saw a movie about somebody in French prison and they pull uh -huh. the bar and undo their feet. And I thought, well, that's familiar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, uh, it was the first years my of childhood. my childhood. Well, I had no real contact with the outside at all, <laughs> yeah. except... Uh, magazines, television. Why did? Oh, because he couldn't walk. Yeah. So when what was I the could, condition? Well, just flat feet, rickets, something yeah. in that area. This was not unfamiliar at the time. Sure, it wasn't this. polio or anything. Nope. My other sister had cable braces. Same yeah. thing. Oh, like, really? Like gum. Uh huh. And uh, once I got out of those, uh, we decided we will never land. Hover at best. When I sleep, I hover. You can yeah. slide a magazine between me and the mattress. <laughs> but I have no problem sitting and reading a paperback all the way through. Sure. I learned the strength of patience very early on under protest. Sure, because you were locked up. Yep. Your feet were bound. So, so you'd go up to New York and see Uncle Manny. Yep. And you'd go hang out at the Wah. Oh, yeah. And I would sit in the back, and it was no different than what happens at the comedy show. How old were you? Oh, starting at nine. No kidding. Yeah. And uh, my Aunt Judy, who was, she wafted. Yeah. Never walked. Yeah. She flew? Wafted. Yeah. Floated. Yeah. She was gorgeous. Yeah. I'm doing a gorgeous voice. Yeah. Now I'm going to make a pain face. <laughs> and I always wondered why Woody Allen yeah. and Bill Cosby, no shit, right. I now know since having talked to Manny in his 90s why Bill and Woody were always fixtures because they were comics and I would say, who are those guys? Yeah. And why are they always here? And Manny would always whisper to me, because of your Aunt Judy and all of her girlfriends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
(laughs) There was larceny. Did he run comics? Did Manny have comics on stage? He had everything. He had poetry. He had theater. One act. uh, I'll call it flash theater. It's a 50, so it's like crazy, right? Everyone's trying all kinds of shit. Jimi Hendrix started at the Y, I think. You auditioned for Uncle Manny, who sat in a chair alone in this tiny little floor in front of it, and said the same thing that he told Bob Dylan, and these are very well-known stories, okay? He said the same thing. I think you're amazing. You may want to think about that last name. (laughs) Really? Oh, really? It was Manny who said to Bob... To Bob Zimmerman or Dylan? Zimmerman. Yeah. You may want to think about that. And number two, I know you need a place to stay. And he made an announcement on stage. He said, we have an amazing new folk singer here. His name's Bob. And he needs a place to stay and hooked him up with his first apartment. No kidding. Oh, yeah. She was... uh, Well, anyway. (laughs) She's a grandma now. (laughs) I'm probably listening. So 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 that must have been an amazing sort of... like it's a mind-blowing thing when you're nine or ten to be taking that shit in. Well, it's an environment that was quote bohemian, and it came on the heels of really extreme formatted music. Yeah. The other side of this is that my mentors, the people who really exemplified and who were the bosses in terms of uh, managed real music, yeah. reading, writing, transposing. If you want to go into showbiz, that's what you're going to learn to do. And who, who are these mentors? Uh, Peter and Paul, Peter and Pearl Zukowski, again, transferred over the other side not long ago. First and second chair clarinet, the LA Philharmonic. Yeah. Okay. And the first people that, are you really interested in this? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it, it's a little bit shadowy for today's tone, but I'm kind of proud of it. Do it. And uh, it's uh, it's a formative training that I have that a lot of folks didn't get. And you may just be relieved, okay? When you were when, here in, in Altadena, you um, got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, even prior to that, okay? Yeah. And it comes like this. First off, if you, uh, today, if your six-year-old wins a race or does well at right. Little League or Ballet, you nod up and down. Okay, like that was great. Yes, that was amazing. Right. If they don't do well at something, you shake your head no. You know, they didn't do their homework, so they didn't uh, get the grade they want. You shake your head and go, no, they didn't do good. Okay, that kind of you might do that. I grew up with the opposite. Yeah. Okay. It's if you if you do amazing. My instructors would shake their head now and go, I don't believe it. Yeah, yeah, it's got to yeah. be a mistake. Okay? And, <laughs> you cheated. And if you, How'd you do this? If you face planted, okay, literally watch it, like it. They'd smile and say, did I not fucking tell you? Yeah. Did I not yeah. fucking tell you? This rock kid's no good. <laughs> How many games do you have to lose before Mr. Chess Spectacular Genius learns for me? <laughs> And this is in music training? Oh, you bet. And What were you playing? Oh, I was playing saxophone mm. and reeds, clarinet, yeah. Yeah. and I had to learn to read, write, transpose, play uh, play solos, yeah. etc. Um, my closest to pop heroes were the two fellas, the boys over at Disney who wrote all the Jungle Book and yeah. this kind of Mary How Poppins. How do you know them? The, uh, just through the movies, and more importantly, all of the musicians who played in those orchestras yeah. and bands were all European immigrants, okay? Sure. And they all shopped at one specific music store, which was out in Boyle Heights, Philippe's. And that's where you bought your reeds and your music and your pens and your ink. And, and you're a kid. No, oh, well, point. I had uh, Leonard Bernstein on the wall, and then I had, uh, uh, come on, um, the chess kid. Bobby Fisher? Bobby Fisher and Bobby Dylan. 
two Bobs and a Lenny. Later on, Jimi Hendrix got up there, and then you know there were others that folded sure. in. Sure. My first singing. Um, it's curious because when we work, it's like a kitchen. When we work, they play. But when they you... sleep, we we play. So you wanted to be a classical musician. Well. Here's what we learned is yeah. how to really read and write to the point yeah. where you go with feeling. I was given the energies, you know, to do and learn, be flexible with everything. But I grew up uh, with fear yeah. instead of admonition, is right? Instead of support and enhancement, yeah. I grew up with... Uh, you know, uh, the general joking when I was in grade school yeah. is the reason Indian kids have the dot on their head is their parents saying, someday you will be somebody and you will make this family proud. You right. Do your homework. Yeah. And I have a mark on my head from my parents of them going, if you fuck this up, you will destroy me. You will destroy this family. It will embarrass us all. It's similar. It's very- <laughs> the other way. <laughs> it's less supportive. Yeah. <laughs> More singing. Guilt driven. For, for Van Halen. Came comes from a resource that is way more, it's, it's almost vicious. My first singing teacher had two numbers on his forearm. Yeah. One was his camp number, and the other was his orchestra number. Huh. And as a punk kid, I once asked him in front of the class, I said, so what happens if he doesn't sing good? And he was very explicit. He said, if you didn't sing good, you went up the chimneys. I think of that every single time I sing. Every single time I get ready to sing, every time my inner child goes, fuck it, you don't need to sing. Don't worry about it. You'll sing fine. I remember that. And I remember, I think it was Ricky Weiss or whatever, uh, Jesus, we were 13, 12 years old, saying to him, uh, no, I remember him saying to me more than once, Mr. Roth, if you can't find it within yourself to sing on behalf of those who went up the chimneys with a song in their hearts, sing so you don't go up the chimneys. Really? Oh, yeah. And that's where that fire for run with the devil. How long are we going to dance? We're going to dance the night away. Hey, how about these words? Let's jump. Okay. Oh, they're all verbs. Think about that. All right. We're yeah. going to run with the devil. Are we talking about love? No, we ain't talking about love. And by the way, do you jog? No, I run. Who do you run with? The devil. <laughs> so this all fa- falls under the never forget rubric well it's part of it's the dna uh-huh okay yeah this is uh this is clearly a, a cerebral environment there yeah. are some places i go where we open with hush car running and that's yeah. about where far as we go right all right and here uh you want to look under the hood <sighs> This this is what powers it. (laughs) So it was the the complete, uh, you know. It does sound more like a Harley or a Tiger. (laughs) A mixture. It was a hybrid. Yeah, well, hybrid uh, Tiger uh, Harley. Like Siegfried said to Roy, don't forget to feed the Tiger. But so you come, yeah. So you come out of that. So you come out of that that history of of, of sort of a Jewish exceptionalism that put a, a sort of premium on education and 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 working your balls off because you had to work harder. Wow, you bet. Just like the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like the big band guys. I want to do nineteen nights in a row, all crammed onto a bus. I want it to look like a train scene from Some Like It Hot. When the laundry is in between the berths yeah. and you're stacked three high like Das Boot. Yeah. I want it to be like that. And I want people tuning up and I want the uh, brass guys to be arguing and gambling and telling lies. And I want the manager to be a complete thief. <laughs> I want to fall in love with one of the dancing girls. And you did all of those things. 
things. Multiple times, Your Honor, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when 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 did you move out of the reeds and the sax and the and the the reading the music and singing uh, choral pieces, you know, into rock and roll? I mean, oh no, it? there was a transitionary transitional phase there, which was big band noise and not big band like you. Who's know your it. big band guys? Who do you like? Well. Let me describe it then. Artie you Shaw. Can answer, no, 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 because a lot of our audience doesn't really know even who the guy in Zeppelin is anymore. So let's no, they, my, my, my audiences are middle-aged people that are mildly disgruntled. They're, they're right on top of this. <laughs> okay, but uh, let me, I have a poetic license. Go ahead. Let me use it. Go ahead. All right. Instead of individuals, because you might not know Artie's tone. You might not know his compatriots or his colleagues' tone and say, well, what did Artie even play? Okay. Nevertheless, I came up in the era big band meant battle of the bands. Yeah. That was tough guy shit. Are you kidding? Playing Philharmonic, pronouncing, if you didn't pronounce Schuppen, you, you had to do fucking scales for a half an hour. That If you didn't pronounce it correctly. Schopenhauer? You know, Schopen. Oh, Chopin. I want to start hearing scales. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pronounce it like a Dutchman. Chopin. Chopin. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Like yeah. this. You fuck that up, you do scales, just like people do push-ups. Right. Okay. Big band meant okay. Because we never identified with the pale faces. Yeah. Remember, I lived right. amongst black Spanish-speaking, me and Cindy Yamazaki, who yeah. was the Japanese girl good at math. Yeah. Here we go. So Benny Goodman, who yeah. looked a lot like our teachers, with the wire rim glasses and you know the suit and the tie and everything, yeah. would be big band versus Chick Webb, all black band, Roseland yeah. Ballroom. What school racist, was this? What school racist, was this? Hold it on. Racist, 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 yeah. racist. And they pick four of the same songs. A lot of people don't know this. Four of the same songs. Yeah. You get to do your arrangement, we get to do ours. Battle of the Bands. And they'd be doing the stomp out there open till 7 in the morning when they, when they Where serve is this? breakfast. New York City. And this is in the 30s. Yeah. This is in the okay. 40s. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Black band always wins. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> right. Benny would come out with pale face rhythms going, happy birthday yeah. to you. Happy, 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 be happy, happy yeah, birthday. Yeah, yeah. Peppy, happy yeah, birthday. Yeah, yeah. And Chick Webb, who was four feet tall, a little guy on the drums. Right. Black. Yeah. Come out and go, one, two, three, four, but top, top, top. Happy birthday. Bada, bada, happy yeah. birthday. Bada, bada, happy birthday. Who's having a birthday? You. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All yeah. knees and elbows yeah. and eyebrows. Yeah. And they win every fucking time. And we wanted to be black. Yeah. Still do. Yeah. And where, where were you going to school where you learned this shit? Ah, oh, geez. Altadena Elementary. Altadena yeah. Junior High was Elliott, then John Muir High School. Yeah. We're in the back of Outlook Magazine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where you had the music teacher who was in the camp? Oh, yeah. We had tutors and, you know, we were that music is taught to us as kids, not because they expected uh, musicians or, you know, prima ballerinas for, yeah. the, for the kids, but it's, it's a right of... How to learn, get stuff done. So where was the, uh, where who gave you the swing education? Was that Manny or just from listening? No, no, no. These were teachers. Oh, the, those, oh, oh they yeah. told you about I it. I had a yeah. whole series of teachers back when Barry and Grassmuke was, before it was the Pasadena Star News over on Colorado Boulevard, they had all the piano rooms yeah. with European teachers waiting to right. beat your kids up. Right, <laughs> Musically, yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah, And you were taking in music lessons. We started off when we didn't have enough money to actually buy a saxophone. We had to rent one. So when, uh, so this is where you got all that deep, uh, the deep love and the, the deep core of all that uh, old-timey music that you kind of move through uh, Van Halen every once in a while. Yep, and it's also the passion. We call it emotional content. Yeah. Once you've mastered the craft, 
of it. That'll probably take you about 10, 20,000 hours. Yeah. Then we can begin to create a, it's a composite of the things you've heard before. Yeah. And the guy with the most tricks is going to be the most inventive and last the longest. So start listening. Start yeah. with A, let me know when you get to Z. See you right. in two decades. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to come and you go, I did it. And I go, what category? You'll say country western. I'll go, see it folk music in 10. <laughs> now keep in mind, Pop told me Jim Thorpe, yeah. one of the greatest, arguably one of the greatest uh, athletes ever. He was an Indian, you know, and uh, he was a put-upon Indian, coming from the Indian Institutes and so forth. He kept himself tough. Even after he was a success, he slept on the floor once a week. Yeah. I, I think I was 15, I went and I slept on the floor every night for a week. Came back, told Pop at dinner. I said, I just slept on the floor for a week. He didn't even look. He said, yeah, use a pillow. Oh, <laughs> tough old man uh, hey we ain't talking about love that'll get you through your 19 nights in a row yeah did uh, you have one-nighters when you're doing humor sure. when you're doing stand-up rock and roll uh, rock and roll in between the songs is arguably as important as the songs let's ask mr springsteen yeah you know he's he's right here mark <laughs> <laughs> he just did broadway that's all the in-between songs in fact if i go see him on broadway i'll see the songs at the garden did you see him i did not but i saw it on television yeah i saw it on the netflix, on netflix yeah. oh you bet you bet I he's did. a good guy you talk to him I have never, but he talks to me. Yeah. Wow. Through you know, the music. Mom, God, apple pie. Dr. Duffy says the apple pie will kill me now. It's Mom, God, and Bruce Springsteen. That's believable. <laughs> so so here, you, did you get bar mitzvah? Oh, yeah. Here? It was one of my first starring roles, man. I had a nice high falsetto. Where oh, was the temple? Like Highland Park or Altadena? Or Altadena. Where? Yeah. Yep. And uh, that was my beginning for um, uh, Boy Scouts as well. All right? And my Boy Scout troop. All of our outdoor scouts, we had one guy who had been in Korea, like a gunnery sergeant or something like that. Yeah. That was a whole lot. Of, I talked to the back of his head for years, okay? It was never in. All I know was the back of his head. Uh, no such thing as bad weather, just bad gear. Shut yeah. up, Roth. <laughs> <laughs> really? I now quote him. And the rest, I remember our average camping trips had six dads. Yeah. And they were all college professors, doctors, prof lawyers. Dr. Epstein, physicist, has a building named after him in nuclear hydraulics or whatever yeah. over at Caltech. Yeah. Dr. Weissman and Dr. Ron, etc. Most Boy Scout dads around the campfire would discuss field craft, not tying, and these days perhaps uh, climate change and conservancy. And we would discuss how to get into college. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's also, I, apparently there's a lot of bad shit going on in the Boy Scouts, too, but it doesn't sound like you had that experience. No, I Good. never had that. No, are you kidding? <laughs> it was almost like college prep. Yeah. You had to be good at whatever you did, and I was told them early on I was going to be a pirate and a musician. Now, did you, you took up guitar, too, right? Oh, yeah. I could flat pick my way through two hours of music. Yeah. My Uncle Manny told me before I was a teenager, if you can play two hours of music on a guitar, you'll always be able to get dinner. 
right? I can go to any restaurant now, and I can play some serious Django Reinhardt jazz for two hours. Yeah. That's what I specified to my New York City guitar teacher mm, about 15 years ago. Jeff. Jeff is probably listening. Jeff, how are you? Is he around? Oh, I can play. uh, You know how Woody Allen always has Django Reinhardt kind of music, jazz? It's uh, floating gypsy kind of jazz, you know? And then I sat down. String doodling. I said, that's the kind of music I want to learn. Like Sean Penn played in Sweet Low Down. I can play almost the entire album. I love that movie. It's Bucky Pizzarelli played the guitars on that. Those big, fat body, dreamy, kind of almost tropical sound. And uh, I can do a whole happy hour for you. And uh, uh, I'll play for dinner and drinks. Hold on. Top shelf drinks. (laughs) Okay, you got it. (laughs) Did you play on Ice Cream Man? Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Flat picking on open tuning. All right. Yeah. That kind of music was ingrained in our DNA and we were unaware that we were learning from 75-year-old African-American sharecropper, wanderer, minstrel, traveling musician. That was just cool stuff. There was a huge blues explosion in the 60s when, yes, Jimi Hendrix and the Grateful Dead and the Doors were all happening, but at the exact same time, B.B. King, Albert King, there were a lot of kids. Yeah, you had John Hammond downtown, too. Oh, everybody. John yeah, Lee him. Hooker yeah. came back around. Sure. And Howlin' Wolf and Muddy Waters Muddy. and all of uh, Keith Richards' yeah. current record collection. Yeah. That's all he jokes about. He yeah. said, now that's his shape, Mark. And everything else is short. Yeah. And I don't know that you may disagree. But you were probably like, what, 10 then? Oh, I don't know. I'm yeah. all kind of in that transitional. Yeah. So there. when you're out here in Pasadena, when do you start singing? Like oh, with well, a band, I, with a band. Oh, first time when I think I was, well, there is a phase yeah. in your life when you're going to have all of your friends have either, if they're Spanish-speaking, quinceanaria, they're coming out at yeah. about 12, 13, or they're having bar mitzvah parties. Right. Every bar mitzvah party, every Spanish-speaking anniversary or wedding yeah. has, would have a combo. Yeah. And this is how Van Halen started. Jesus Christ, we played so many times at Mijares Mexican restaurant really? in the parking lot there for every event that happens. As Van Halen? Oh, yeah. You know, we were named something else, but it, the band was, we were called Mammoth yeah. at the time. But And you were uh, doing covers? Oh, yeah. Nothing but covers. Nobody wanted to dance to original, Essie. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I started singing at all of those parties when I was 11 and 12 because there was always a combo, and I knew that they could play Gloria and they could play Hang On Sloopy. Yeah. Guaranteed. So, you know, plus if you fucked up the lyrics. Nobody called you on it because yeah. who knows what the lyrics are. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That have gotten out my street. <laughs> that have just love that for midnight. Just you can give it a place. Give it a... <laughs> How long? It's the last for the bay all night long. <laughs> and so you were just showing up at parties or was with this with Mammoth? Oh, no. This was before Mammoth. Yeah. <laughs> when I was, you said, where just was around the first, neighborhood? Around the neighborhood? Oh, I made sure I was invited everywhere. Yeah. If there was a combo at the Altadena Country Club for any wedding, bar mitzvah, coming out party, anything like, at all. Right there when you were just laying that shit down, I mean, like, who were the singers that you were like, I'm going to be like that guy. I'm going to sing like that guy. Oh, people would frequently so, go, wait a minute, you grew up in the 70s. Van yeah. Halen was a 70s band, so you must be imitating quote unquote poetically the guy in the stones the guy in the who no, the guy earlier. in the queen yeah. the guy in zeppelin no you but never no, sound exactly, like that exactly i'm a soul growler right when i sing to keep me from going up the chimneys yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, does that sound like bar mitzvah music? No. <laughs> no, that's Wilson Pickett. Right. Man, that's James Brown. Yeah. You dig? <laughs> Wilson Pickett. That's both sides of Sam and Dave. Yeah. <laughs> right? And that's my natural grind, right? Yeah, there. yeah. And then, baby, when I talk, it's kindness, joy, love, and happiness. Yeah, yeah. And that's my DJ voice, the right. omnipotent DJ. It has nothing to do, hey, pale face. Well, that's what sort of, that's what separated you because you were able to do, that was the foundation of it, but then you, you somehow, you know, you were able to, instead of like having the, the soul closure, you were just sort of launch it way out. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like it didn't, it, it wasn't all staccato like that because you were singing like you know, hard rock music. Yeah. So it had a little, it had a little variation to it, but that's what, that is the difference. I never really put that together. Yes. The middle part is what you're hearing. Cause Eddie Van Halen was rock solid. I'm doing the devil sign yeah. with my hand. It's yeah. the horns. I mean, rock. So he was Jeff Spicoli in that neighborhood not yeah. himself the right. van halen brothers had the exact same european back of the hand training in music that i did oh yeah okay by their old man right oh i knew Ian van halen very very well and i got along with him better than i did the brothers ever yeah, ever always we would sit up very late at because night. you knew the shit like you knew all the music oh, stuff oh huh? and he would tell me about what it was like to play in the bands during world war ii and you know staying where was in he the, from in the to holland yeah holland's yeah, and uh, he married an Indonesian woman. Uh-huh. Uh-oh, I'm sleeping for a poop show. <laughs> yeah. I grew up around it my whole adult life. Has had that accent and those food smells and yeah. so forth. And Mrs. Van Halen was, uh, uh, she grew up very rural uh -huh. in Indonesia, like yeah. literally barefoot by the streams. Man, she was literate. Yeah. She read her body weight in books per year, and she was the tough face. Ooh, she was the face, just like my mom. My mom was the disciplinarian. Bad Dave came from Sybil Roth, not Nate. Yeah. Nate was a healer. He yeah. came to help you. Yeah. My mom wouldn't even turn. I'd show up with a painting, and I'd go, what do you think? Ready for the fridge? She wouldn't even turn and go, did you clean up your brushes? <laughs> 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 and now I I have that in my voice. Never enough. <laughs> Never enough. Oh, there is such a thing as perfection. Yeah, there is there perfection. Is. Yeah. Sure, the uh, Romanian invasion in 1972-73, Olga Corbett, Nadia Comnici, perfect oh, yeah. tens. Yeah. I saw it. You can watch it. Go ahead and tube it. That's perfect. Yeah. I've uh, uh, let's pick music. Okay, the last forty seconds of Jungle Land, down in. Jungle perfect and it swirls up and your whole everything everything changes man it starts snowing because do you follow the windows drop the top flies off of your car you got the same haircut i used to in 82 and the wind is blowing in your beer can and the sides come off of your car and you drive off that road and you keep on going that's perfect yeah it's there. You can yeah. have it. Yeah. And you only get that by insistent identifying of the flaw. The flaw. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because when you're Tiger Woods, it's down to that last. It's a 40,000-hour man. The guy who flew me here from home, I can tell that's a 40,000-hour man. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Not 10,000. That's yeah. digestible for pale faces. What about, a, what about a Van Halen tune or an album? Would what you a, hit that moment? Oh, absolutely. What, what are your songs? Um, the songs all happen in, in a surgical 
kind of environment in terms of you just throw yourself at it. There's a difference between Dave jumped off the top of the 10-story building and David Lee Roth threw himself off of a building. Right. I throw myself. And I learned that my first job out of, uh, now that you know what I wanted to be in Peace Corps, my first job uh, that I really had, because I didn't know if music was going to swing it for me, so I thought medical, science, arts, in some sense. Well, you come from it. Oh, yeah. And I had the stomach for it, okay, because yeah. I accompanied Pop to the emergency room. I couldn't wait. And I uh, did, too. I used to go to my dad, you know, he and he, you know, he did get me so I wouldn't ride a motorcycle. He showed me one of his patients in traction. It's in your humor. Yeah. It's in your work. Yeah. Now. It's in your eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it gives you, it gives you paste. Puts yeah. you in history, keeps you there. Yeah. Pastes you right in there. That kind of character, that kind of background. Because if you don't have it, there's no tails to your coin. Yeah. Y'all cheating. Yeah. <laughs> You're trying to swindle somebody. <laughs> there's no tails to your coin. Where'd you get that one? I just made it up for you. <laughs> Laugh in the mic. I got to drink my drink. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So when you first met the Van Halen brothers, how old were you? clearly not old enough <laughs> we never got along we hated each other but we were thrown together how you know, it's one of those happened? movies how yeah. does that happen <laughs> it's one of those movies come I on you'll it. think of the plots where right, but we hate you, each other but, but wait a minute now the now the uh the hostile forces the adversary is unemployment and having to get a real job Oh, my God. We'd rather work seven times harder and seven times longer for a third the pay than a real job. So what were you, like 15? Yes. Right. We'd just gotten our driver's license, and our parents wisely, all you know, in both households, were turning and going, um, you know, in several accents. Now you have to think about the future because you are going to be politely asked to not live here anymore at some point in your near future. For me, my mom threw me out when I was uh, second week of senior high school. That seems harsh. Well, I didn't grow up in a happy environment. Think about the music yeah. and the sense yeah. of humor yeah. that I have. Oh, yeah. Um, about six weeks, I may do, okay. And then ultimately, a few months down the road, I moved in with my pop for a while. Oh, they but I stayed up? In, I stayed in school. Uh-huh. I yeah. stayed in school, and I kept on. And uh, I came home to get my clothes, and um, there was another kid living in my bedroom. Really? Oh, I knew him. And he looked exactly like me. Same haircut, same everything, same size, same height, but same he had a everything. Job. <laughs> uh, well, uh, he was living in my bedroom, and his clothes were mixed in with mine. It's a little bit Twilight Zone, yeah. but I'm explaining a little DNA. Yeah. You can yeah. psychoanalyze this over still. Who was that guy? Way. Oh, he was just a local kid. Why was he in your house? Well, uh, in my world, in my mom's world, it made sense that. Uh, was he paying? No. Huh. And I remember turning around and, uh, you know, I left all my clothes. Yeah. I left everything and uh, gave me a strength of patience, maybe to face uh, what I had coming up in the future, uh, make and do. I've been living out of a suitcase ever since. Yeah, but who was that a, guy? I, I, Why was he living in your house? Well, you're going to have to psychoanalyze that one. Okay. Um, so when did you guys, what was the, what was the, uh, the, when you started hanging out with the Van Halen guys, they were in a band and you were in another band or you, you, we were, you were, we were crosstown adversaries and we hated each other with a vengeance. 
my material was simpler, like uh, Johnny Be Good or simpler Stones sure. songs, but really colorful, lots of really interaction with yeah. the audience. Yeah. And in the 70s, you had David Bowie, you had Freddie, yeah. you had The Who, you had The Stones, yeah. arguably at their peak of the visuals, Elton John yeah. alone. Right. Oh, my God. Just that in terms of British Music Hall influence, yeah. whammo. We had that in spades. The Van Halens had craft. Yeah. Man, did they have artisanal, super small batch scotch craft. You take a sip of that, you go, whoa, somebody put a thousand hours into that one shot. Yeah, yeah. And you were absolutely accurate. Together was combustible. But if you go ask Nitro, what do you really think of glycerin? A little bland, transparent. (laughs) (laughs) Put them together, boom. Yeah. This so you guys are always at each other's throats? All the way up to the last phone call. Yeah. <laughs> really? And is from that we never we the the wrinkle is there, is there any love there, David? Oh, we love to scrap. Are yeah. you kidding? You That's put how me, you expressed it. Oh, come on. You put one of the brothers, put any one of the brothers in a room like myself. You can put me in a room naked, you come back, for some reason there's conflict. Yeah. So for what some, was it usually? Oh, contesting was how it's like a kitchen. Yeah. Come on. Out front in a restaurant, it's very... Right, right, right. And in the back, it's punk rock. What are you fucking doing? Oh, you said you fuck my soup up. You are shit. You are shit. And it's a Balkan accent versus a French accent with fire and burns and flames. Let's go back out front. Yeah, yeah. And in back, ah, I kill you twice. And they're fighting in boiling water because the hot water just broke and the thing exploded. Right. But you can't let them know. Yeah. And that was Van Halen. <laughs> so what we saw was the front of the restaurant. Oh, you bet. And you guys were having a ball. And it's uh, I'm going to use a technical term now. Okay, a technical showbiz stagecraft term. Perhaps you know it. It's called tits and pits. You raise your hands up, and that's what you look for, all the way out to the 100-yard line. I want to see your tits and your pits. Hands up. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And it was tits and pits out front. Half the audience, women, are you kidding? In hard rock? Whoa! Because you could dance to our shit. Now you begin to see the symmetry. Right. When we started playing in clubs, they couldn't figure out why can't you play all of uh, one side of Tommy note for note perfectly and not get a job at a dance club. And I came up, Diamond Dave, the nickname came early because yeah. I had high-waisted pants, suspenders, two-tone shoes with Cuban heels from A. Meals over on Colorado yeah. in uh, Old Town, okay? And I sparkled like a diamond. Yeah. And I was very authoritative, you know? I was a little rock star even back then. Yeah. You dig? And I was yeah. like, well, clearly, you're not getting jobs at the five sets of nightclubs because you shit ain't girl-friendly, white boy. what does he mean fucking hey bro remember they're you know they're boxer shorts in uh corduroys wide whale corduroys with desert boots yeah perk your hair down the middle right ridgemont high yeah the van helens had that voter block and my shit was al green coming on here on soul train right (laughs) i'm a darn cornelius and uh (laughs) so you got both sides covered oh yeah and it was a collision and every chorus in van halen is four tops or five temptations or Smokey and the miracles or 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 but the riffs are pure slam dunk lead with your face boom and van halen's been places with our faces you wouldn't go with a loaded pistol yeah even that sense of humor right yeah <laughs> kind of downtown yeah 
<laughs> back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and always contested, always under protest, always under threat of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, always in our version of debate was proximity, volume, and repetition, repetition, repetition. <laughs> yeah. And out of those sparks came every popular Van Halen song you can imagine. Yeah, we took the bit. We took the beating because we was winning. We paid the cost to be the boss. And after I don't know ten years on a tour bus with the Van Halen brothers, ain't shit you can do to me. Yeah, yeah, I bet. <laughs> so, so, so the so there was always that sort of innate conflict of personality, but it made it, it all made sense. It was not innate. It was right up here, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. And it was a volunteered aspect of music that didn't come from self-trained. And we you were, were writing almost all the lyrics, right? I wrote all the lyrics. Yeah. I wrote the titles. Yeah. I wrote the melodies. More importantly, you don't have to be able to speak English to know what I'm singing about, right? So all six, seven albums, you're at each other's throats. You bet. It's when you start to lose the lines in your stomach and you puff up and become relaxed. I'm not Jimmy Buffett. Neither are the Van Halens. The Van Halens, full disclosure, this is a fun interview. There's yeah. a lot of stuff I don't usually talk about. Is Van Halen's mother was Indonesian. Yeah. Her father was Dutch. Right. That's miscegenation in the 1950s in the United States. That's the equivalent of a black man marrying a white sorority girl in Tennessee or Rutherford, Mississippi in 1958. Uh-huh. I brought this up during some press interviews in Holland recently to some fellows who were old enough to remember those days and everybody looks away and everybody doesn't make eye contact because that's apartheid. Uh-huh. It was a big Deal. And those homeboys grew up in a horrifying racist environment to where they actually had to leave the country. That kind of shit. Now you're hearing conflict. You know how you get a perfectly crafted. So they started in Holland. The Van Halen guys were born in Holland. Nijmegen. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of outside the big city. Their father yeah. was a traveling musician in the days when you make less than nothing. You yeah. owe. You owe. Yeah. You owe again. Right. And he was married to an Indonesian right. lady, which is whoa. Right. And the brothers, like, uh, what's your favorite share song? Share song. Half breed. Uh-huh. And how many times oh, did so they, they hear that? that? Right. Oh. Then they came to America and did not speak English as a first language in the early 60s. Yeah. Wow. So that kind of sparking, that kind of stuff, that runs deep. Sure, man. Right? Sure, man. You want a finely crafted katana, uh, Japanese samurai sword? It comes from the hottest flame, and there's a lot of burns and missing fingers amongst the grandmasters. Right. So you got, you got the uh, Jew never good enough. And they had the uh, you know half breed uh, bullying. Yep. And together we <laughs> have just been complaining and accusing and threatening <laughs> entire voter blocks and generations. I personally was sexually inappropriate with an entire generation, musically primarily. <laughs> <laughs> out of all the records, as, like before we talk about your records, out of all the Van Halen records, which is the one that you like look at and go, "Fucking, that was a fucking." It's it was how it was made. When you make uh, when you do a uh, when you learn a guitar chord, okay. Yeah. Every single time you play it again in the rest of your life, you'll think about who you learned it from or where you were sitting and when you learned it. Yeah. If you get a tattoo, you don't usually look at the tattoo later in life and think of the ethereal meaning. Well, this was Granddad, and see, Dad, Granddad was actually a Shriner, so the uh, the little star. You don't think of that. You think of where you got the tattoo and who the yeah. person was. I remember tattooed. the guy who showed me that Chuck Berry riff. Bingo. 
Yeah. And you'll always think of it like that. Uh, when you make a record, for me, it is that. Where did we make it? Yeah. Where did we create the sound? Yeah. Where did, what was the experience that happened then, as opposed to listening later? Because I don't listen later either. Yeah. I don't check. Uh, Unless you hear it on the radio. I, and even I'll, even by then, uh, I switch, okay? I don't read my own reviews. Nothing's. I remember when the first one came out, I was a sophomore in high school, and it changed the universe. Yes, it did. And that was our ambition. We wanted to lead a generational prison break. We had a composite hybrid. We were already complaining and accusing the entire society of our injustices. And we were barely out of our teenage years. And we had something musically that others didn't have. We maintained that, which is craft, craftsmanship. Sharp, sharp, perfect corners, perfect edges. Think like carpentry. Perfect edges, perfect corners. Dutch edges. Think of it like a tactical (laughs) team moving through the dark with automatic weapons. Perfect turns on those corners. Perfect to the wall. Perfect corners again. No visit. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Because you can't obtain it. Down, in. Back to you, Mark. <laughs> Perfect. And that swirl. And here comes butterflies and care bears and fucking bubblegum bubbles. And it's, it smells like fucking champagne in here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was it. So you both had the, y'all had this, uh, the, a different type of a uh, compulsive craft work ethic. It was completely antithetical to everything that we were using as our mentors, our, our, uh, teachers no slop. role models no slop well the slop is something that you study yeah. and that it is then implied or inculcated okay and that i'll use the japanese version of it waba sabi yeah w-a-b-i dash s-a-b-i yeah there are books written about this yeah there are entire orders of buddhist monks who dedicate their life to this that which is perfect because it's imperfect yeah like your favorite jeans. Sure. Like, now, like the cat that's missing a piece of his tail yeah. or a piece of his ear. Yeah, you dig? Yeah. Remember the dog in Little Rascals? He had a sure, ill formed circle around yeah. his eye. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's wabasabi. Yeah. Old buildings, old things that are just starting to fall apart a little bit. Yeah. Very wabasabi. Uh-huh. You want the guitar that has the scratch marks yeah. and the finger indents. Yeah. And here's where the cigarette burned the headstock. Right. That's wabasabi. And then you learn to combine the two. How do you mix? Now I sound like Leonard Bernstein lecturing at Harvard. How do we mix craft with that kind of a dignity? Because that's a human dignity. It is imperfect. There are no straight lines. There are no perfect corners in life. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Metaphysics before happy hour? Back to you, Mark. Well... Well, the thing is, is that the way you guys did it is that when with your kind of uh, you, you, with your craft and with your ability to to kind of ride that edge in that soul kind of way. And Eddie, you know, I think still out of all of the the sort of like you know hyper uh, uh, you know um, what's the word I want perfectionist noodlers, he still got the most tasty licks. So uh, right, the tasty licks came from a background in melody when. For example, Yip Harburg and Harold Arlen had both passed over to the other side. You may not recognize those names, but you recognize their work. For example, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Those two wrote it. Sure. And they were burying Yip, who did the melodies and the lyrics. That's my job. Yeah. And Harold Arlen's wife was there at the burial. This was in Beverly Hills. Very well-known story. Fellow from the Hollywood Reporter said to Harold Arlen's uh, wife, you know, so your uh, husband wrote Somewhere Over the Rainbow. 
Yip Harburg's wife, they were burying Yip, the lyricist, said, no, no, no. She said, my husband wrote, somewhere over the rainbow. Her husband wrote, da 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 so that's it. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> that's how wives do it. <laughs> straight razor wives. Uh-huh. <laughs> what, straight razor woman. <laughs> so, when, when, what, so what, what exactly, what made it, what made it stop? What made Van Halen stop the first time when you, when you guys, when you left? When we were young, we did as young was. When we were a little smarter, we did as smarter. And you know what? I feel a little bit at odds with, geez, let's go back a gazillion years. And why did it fracture? Because all rock bands fracture. 85. Yeah. It turns into diverse interests. People have the friction of time. And that friction is family. That friction is... Uh, sometimes it's partying, but I don't know if that's what really separated up Van Halen. We'd creative always, differences? Oh, beyond that, there were always creative differences. We never got along. Yeah. It was a beautiful, beautiful pairing of, you've seen cowboy movies where the guys are always sabotaging each other, but they're working to somehow accomplish something. And uh, I think you'll see that in a lot of popular bands. Sure. They, may have, gotten, yeah. they may have gotten through it, Yeah, but I don't know that we ever really grew up and became gentrified now that may not be a good thing but part of me remained 23 years old forever yeah i wake up in the morning and i i do two things first thing i do is i look in the mirror and go bones james bolton uh-huh. and the second thing is i think to myself man you're young you're good looking got your life in front of you what you need with a real job yeah <laughs> or some version of that yeah. and never uh, went past that, perhaps in a positive sense, certainly in terms of my sense of humor or yeah. my values. Yeah. Things and stuff never really meant much to me, nor did I develop the taste. It was experiences and I'll trade my celebrity, like I'll use it like a passport, but to meet people like yourself. Yeah. You just picked up the phone and sure. says, hey. Let's He's do great. It. Let's call him up. Yeah. And these days, David Lee Roth is calling. You're going to take the call. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to listen. You're going to smile and you're going to go, you must be kidding. And then you look to everybody else and go, David fucking the David Lee Roth. He's called me. You're con- He's you, coming you, over. You're kidding. You're fucking, whatever it is, it's going to be colorful. But it's wild that like, you know, all the, you know, all your records did well too, man. You're writing those songs and you're coming up with all that different shit. Now, was it like throughout all fucking six of your albums- you know, playing with every goddamn ace in the business. I mean, would, would, did you did you ever like go like, well, it's not Van Halen? No, no. it's Van Halen's perfect, and I always sense that perfect would get back together. Yeah. Okay, it's perfect in its imperfection. Think of your most ruined jeans <laughs> that barely are jeans. They're they're your favorite because of the holes in them. Yeah. We're talking about metaphysics or some sort of psychoanalytical yeah. thing. Your favorite part of your cowboy boots is the fucked up part. Yeah, yeah. You got to okay? fuck them up. Yeah. I want the pit bull terrier with the ear missing <laughs> yeah. named Mel. Yeah. I want Mel with crossed eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like he's a little bit crazy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and I want Mel's tongue to be way too long or way too small. And I want Mel to have a look like I'd rather fucking die than not follow you anywhere. Yeah. And if I go, but does that depend on where we're going? And go, what do you mean going? At least we're together. <laughs> that kind of imperfection, yeah. we knew we valued that. Yeah. And we still have it. It's in the music, and it makes the music 
more popular than ever. But do you guys can you can you sit down with the with the fellas and you know have dinner and stuff? Nope. Nope. <laughs> not even close. Not even close. This is not a golf club, okay? This is a little closer to the wild bunch. Uh-huh. All right? Yeah. There is a fury and an antagonism, and what comes out of that is when it's good, oh, man, that's retina bursting. That'll change your fucking haircut. When was the last guy? When's the last uh, time you went on tour? About four summers ago, and we played. We finished up here a couple of nights at the Hollywood Bowl. How was it? Some of the Best shows we've ever done. I remember walking off that deck twice in a row going, oh, yeah, that was some of the best of my career. And uh, we were at each other all throughout the tour. Constant. <laughs> You've got to be mature enough to understand. What, all right? What are you, tell, what are you saying this when is, you're at each other? I mean, what's being said? What the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> are you out of... What are you fucking thinking? Are you out of your fucking mind? I'm going to put it in Japanese. I can say it in Espanol. I can say it in Portuguese. <laughs> That's what it is? What the fuck are you thinking? What the fuck are you thinking? What the fuck is he thinking? Is he with you? I <laughs> And it's constant. And then you assign yourself to the producer who will either take Eddie's side or my side. You're either a Dave guy or an Eddie guy. And you... We are all mature enough to understand that we're all pirates here. Of course you're going to betray me. (laughs) (laughs) A family of crocodiles. Enjoy the reunion. (laughs) So when are you going out again? (laughs) I'll be seeing the fellas in a couple of weeks, okay? Yeah. But this is, again, subject to all... If you don't understand Van Halen, you'll think of it as dysfunction. In the last 3,000 days that I've been back, we've performed 150 times. And it was something, something special, something unique. I don't know. Maybe it's like my well, last... Well, you got a whole generation of people that are still coming. They're bringing their kids now. Well, we now... I just saw a response like that at the Pink Pop Festival in Holland. Yeah. 70,000 people. I could have guessed the average age is 19, like whoever runs oh, our- you were there. That's why you were there with those the, with the fellas. Um, I was there with Armin von Buren. Oh, doing the jump Who is a thing. DJ. And okay. we did a remix of Jump. Again, you can remix- Just and, you? Yeah. Uh-huh. And I went out in front of 70,000 people, average age 19, who knew the words better than I do. They knew where the- comes from <laughs> and they know where the jump is supposed to happen etc it's part of the cultural fabric now yeah you might spell it with a k in holland <laughs> but yes how many times have you heard these tones coming i don't know the burger king drive through on how yeah. many summer vacations yeah, yeah. you're not going to make it from here to vegas with classic rock stations and there's two per city everywhere on earth all right if yeah you, that's just before and the internet they're playing at least nine van halen songs a day wow it's great verb music jump yeah. dance walk music you know yeah move move, move. yeah yeah and it is great ambience like wallpaper yeah somebody good like that might be the beach boys you don't have just, to like the beach boys just at all ask you about them but you turn that you turn the sound on and the right. sun comes up yeah if it's uh, a slower song like the girls on the beach or uh, I thought, surfer I thought, girl then that's sunset and it goes down but i thought <laughs> i always felt that that you kind of hold a similar space van halen very much so yeah we always cut the first two weeks of school to go hang out at laguna beach or at uh, huntington beach go down to i was not a surfer but uh 
the beach is very much part of our upbringing, Southern California culture. Yeah. I just was talking about how Southern California culture, at least viscerally and visually, has dominated the entire earth. I don't care if you're in Abu Dhabi or Togo. It doesn't matter yeah. if you're in Oslo or Fiji. You're wearing, you look like you're from California. I just, I just read a bunch about uh, Dick Dale. And the Deltones. Yeah. Okay. The sound of reverb. Yeah. Everybody knows what surf music is. Yeah. Everybody in the Philippines, everybody in Indonesia, everybody in Tierra del Fuego, yeah. if you play surf guitar, they'll know what it is and they can imitate it. They'll put their drink down and act like they're surfing. Yeah. You put your hands up like Spider-Man. To me, it's Spider-Man. To others, it's surfing. Yeah. And you get down and you adopt that posture. The glasses, okay, wearing the glasses indoors, you know, the stuff on string on the glasses, sure. shorts, sure. slaps, yeah. uh, gang, not gang signing, but uh, signing, you know, the way you move yeah, your yeah, hands. Yeah. That all comes from lowrider culture yep. here yep. in uh, Southern California. Yeah. This is Mexifornia. I say con respecto. Okay? Yeah, they came yeah. first. So it's in everything. It's in all of your spice, the way you move your hands. If you could see, I'm doing it like, yo. Yeah, yeah. And that's in everything we do do we've dominated the culture even hip-hop which has dominated all of popular music at least half of that is west coast isn't sure it? man do you write songs still oh, often yes i do and all of the music for example in the back of my podcast yeah. is instrumental i not only play it but i sing it and i sing the bass and the drums and i take it serious it's not there to be funny. It's not there to be beatboxing, all right? Yeah. The music is all done in minor key, and if you listen in the backgrounds, okay, there's always music, and I maintain that it's talk radio, talk, I call it broadcasting, talk broadcasting that you don't have to speak English to enjoy at all. Yeah. Consequently, we get emails from all over the world when you learn to modulate your tone and bring it up and down, and yeah. everything in the background has my voices. Yeah. So I'm multiplying, and it sounds orchestral mostly at times. Uh, you're hearing those kinds of tones that are moving. And it's moving and moving, and they're subliminal. Is that Dave in the background? It was, in, it was invented. All the visuals for our podcast. I'm sitting there, administrating. I'm surrounded by stellar, incandescent spirits and talents, but everything you see, I'm in the room, going yeah. more to the left, more to the right, back, back. So it's a full-on experience. You've got you you do uh, engage in the musical thing, you're I, engage in the talk thing, you engage in the theater thing. I built the ship and then hired the crew. Men, from this point on, a full disclosure, I no longer know where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> and you're okay if with it. Any of you you're would okay like to it. return to port, now would be the time. They never do. <laughs> <laughs> They're on board. <laughs> oh yeah. So how often do you do the podcast? Mm, we work on it uh, two, three days a week because it's- So every week you put one up? Oh, yes. It's art-centric. Um, I have two fellas, uh, one who works in the visuals, and uh, his name is Colin Smith. And I went to Adobe Photoshop and said, who's your Led Zeppelin? Who teaches the teachers? Yeah. Colin's written 20 books on Adobe Photoshop, digital photography, hundreds of tutorials, and that's- who's doing our visuals, okay? So I can sit and translate through and visually what you're seeing, and it's unique what you see us doing. Same thing at our, our company, Inc. The Original. Created a company that looks entirely different than anything you would expect of tattooing. How long have you been doing it now? Mm, we just really started getting going again. 
I got, Jesus, I, I've tried two different times. Yeah. Wasn't real right for me over the last 10, 12 years. All right. Well, you were up for, you almost did regular, your serious radio. I remember you filled in for Howard for a little bit mm. when he w- left for a while. Well, I, I got fired yeah. after four and a half months, specifically for playing too much ethnic music. Yeah. <laughs> and having late night humor too early in the morning. Hmm. I said to them, well, what if we stayed up? Which is late night humor. <laughs> He's out of here. <laughs> that was it. Oh, it was, there was conflict early. And I think they were hoping for Howard. There's only one Howard. That's for sure, yeah. Boy, I sure respect what Howard does. I surely respect where he got to. And what am I going to be, a, a, a top-notch third best Howard? Mm-hmm. As you can see, I have a surgically implanted disco beat. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got, I'm supremely motivated, although we do frequently drive dry, off the road. You're firing on more cylinders than you have. Boom. (laughs) This is this is this is not even field pace. Yeah. This is you know, I love talking. And it comes perhaps from top forty. Yeah. I always wanted Casey Kasem. Oh, earlier than that. Dewey Phillips. Yeah. Going, you know, hopping top forty closer to Wolfman Jack in American graffiti. Yeah. Hopping and bobbing and popping with the best bet for the ball's bot. You want me to do the Wolfman Jack voice? Sure. Right? Yeah. Mighty ten ninety. Yeah. Well look, man, I uh Oh, what's that? Someone's leaving. It's your ride. No, I couldn't they could yeah. be landing. Yeah. How'd they find us? Yeah. <laughs> they tracked you. Finally. Finally. You have a they're cell here, phone? <laughs> they're here to pick us up. Let's go. <laughs> you ready for that dimension? <laughs> Where are we going? Any regrets, David? Yeah, the adventures that I didn't go on. Yeah. The trips that I kind of talked myself out of. Like what? Well, it was the face plants and the injuries that make the best stories. Right. That is the trials and tribulations and the daily calamity, that I call it, that makes for, that's that's what taught me. All my biggest haters, my worst arguments that I lost, I learned the most from. Now, I'm going to teach you a little verbal judo, okay? okay. It comes from EMT days. Yeah. Is if somebody comes up to you, and I'm going to look away, because even if you just use it as an analogy, it's a little painful. If somebody goes, up, hey, asshole, your immediate response, especially as somebody in showbiz, is eh, you're gonna, you, you, you have a thick skin or you wouldn't be here this far. You're black belt, ninth degree. With your best move. So, hey, asshole. You know, you might have a point. <laughs> Class, you see what I did? <laughs> you see how I took that away from him? And now I'm going to use it on him. <laughs> Thanks for helping out. <laughs> it's a gift. It's great talking to you. And My good pleasure. luck with the show, buddy. This was a great interview. It was it fun. caused me to think. Thanks. Oh, good. Huh? How about that? Time to get out of the raft, right? Time to get out of the boat. That was fun. Uh, David Lee Roth's podcast called The Roth Show is available wherever you get podcasts. Go to wtfpod.com slash tour. For my tour dates, go to swordoftrust.com for the movie dates. And uh, now I will play some guitar the way I want to, just because I want to, because I can.